Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to today's program. We're going to chat about the business side of the business today, the financial aspects of running a profitable and successful business. So recently I put a post on the Instagram and I asked folks, what do you struggle with the most in business? And thank you to everybody who put a response. I was kind of reading through them and categorizing the various responses. And for sure, the most common response was something around the financial part of of business. And so to bring on some experts today, I contacted my personal certified financial planner, Sheila Chaplin. She's over there in South Carolina. And then Megan Coberly, who is from the Landscaping Bookkeeper, uh, who is my personal bookkeeper. And so Sheila and Megan are going to answer a lot of questions around the topic of the business side of things. They recently uh, met with their clients, kind of uh, wrapping the year up and they have some analysis and, and takeaways from those meetings. And so it's going to be a fun conversation uh, for all my math nerds out there. I think you're going to appreciate uh, Megan and Sheila real quickly <laughs> can get pretty deep on these ever important topics of really mastering the business side of running a business, not just the technical operating, you know, operations. Of course, we want to do excellent at, at, at all of that and serving the customer well, but Understanding the financial components to operating a profitable business is important, and uh, Sheila and Meglin are um, just experts and so good at what they do. So I look forward to chatting with them on today's show. Thank you to our episode sponsor for making this all happen, and that is our friends at Jobber. Jobber is a CRM. That's a customer. Actually, I don't even know what CRM stands for, Marty. What is it? Customer Relationship Manager. Yeah, that makes sense. So essentially, they, uh, you better look that up, Mr. Producer. What is a CRM? I think it's Customer Relationship Manager Management. There you go. So what they do is they make organizing your business very simple from sending out an invoice to having that work history of what you've done with your client and so many more uh, details around scheduling and just understanding what's going on in your business. Jobber can keep all that information together all in one place. And with the invoicing, for example, once you send out an invoice to your customer with Jobber, you can actually see when they open the invoice and it makes it so convenient for your customers to go ahead and just pay the invoice right there online with a card. And it's a uh, makes you look professional and your customers will appreciate the convenience. And as a business owner, cash flow is so important. And so I like to be able to have my customers pay me with a card on file uh, ahead of time. We just agree upon, you know, when I'm going to be charging a customer's card on file and Jobber even makes that simple um, for you to store your customers cards on file and, and charge those cards upon the agreed upon date that you work out with your 
uh, customer. So anyway, there's a lot of uh, benefits to Jobber. And one thing that's cool, Mr. Producer, is that they allow uh, a 14-day free trial for you to figure out if it's the right fit for you. So no strings attached. You don't have to give them a card or anything like that. You just can, can uh, play around for 14 days and see if Jobber is the right fit for your business. To learn more, click on the link in today's show notes or visit getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Well, without further ado, here is Sheila Chaplin, certified financial planner and Megan Coberly, bookkeeper extraordinaire. Hey, Paul. Well, you guys have been on the show many of times, but maybe someone's listening for the first time. I wanted to let them know who you are. Uh, Sheila, you are a certified financial planner, my personal certified financial planner. And Megan, you and your husband, Joey, are bookkeepers, formerly Gulf Coast Bookkeeping, now the Landscaping Bookkeeper, and you're also my personal bookkeepers. Yes, we are. And we like it that way. So I want you guys to go ahead and share. You've been meeting with a lot of clients here in the United States, kind of doing a year-end review and and, and uh, tackling the bookkeeping, tax planning, investing the whole nine yards. So so go ahead and share on what you've been learning, chatting with lawn care and landscaping business owners. Yeah. So after me and Sheila formed a partnership, one of the benefits of that partnership was the idea that our clients really actually voted and liked the idea of having a shared meeting. So me, Sheila, and the client in the same meeting. So for now, we've decided to do that twice a year. We think that's a good amount of just grouping, making sure we're all on the same page. That often gets a little tense if it's a CPA or a tax preparer that the bookkeeper doesn't know and the client's in the middle of it all. And so being able to make that year end a little bit more efficient um, on Sheila and my client's behalf. So let's see some topics we covered. Man, a lot of good ones since there's obviously tax season coming up. Um, One of the main ones we actually hit right off the bat uh, was, um, well, I could go into the chart of accounts differences, but I don't know that that's really going to help a lot of your clients. So I think record keeping is probably the first one I would sit on and maybe have a little bit of a conversation about. Me and Sheila really talked about the importance of record keeping and the specific shared record keeping between us. So I'll let Sheila go into the mileage. Um, That's one of the record keeping. And then we could both talk a little bit about the asset record keeping that we shared with our clients and made sure we were just all on the same page. Yeah, so um, with regards to keeping records, of course, you always want to keep good records. Um, It helps not only uh, your bookkeeper and, um, you know, when you're making management decisions as well, but also in the case of an audit, you have an audit trail if you've got good records. Um, But especially whenever you are thinking about things like mileage, um, a good example is this year. They decided in the middle of the year to go up four cent on that mileage deduction. So if you've got good records, not a big deal whenever you go um, to see your CPA or um, your tax preparer, then you are able to give them the mileage based on um, what you drove from January through June 30th. And then the second number you would give them is the July through the end of the year number. Um, But make sure that you understand what your responsibilities are as far as keeping those records for mileage. Your mileage is, um, is important even if you don't claim mileage and you claim actual expenses especially if you've got a vehicle that's not 100% use um, or business use. So just understand that you need to have a a mileage tracker that provides just the date, where you went, why you went there, 
and um, either beginning and ending mileage, um, uh, you know, for your odometer or um, the number of miles so that you're keeping the proper records. Um, it's a really nice deduction. And because of that, IRS can scrutinize it very heavily in the case of an audit. Two big questions we get are oftentimes what they're using in terms of a mileage tracker, because a lot of it can be automated, is their phones. So a lot of times they ask, does 100% business vehicle need mileage, need record keeping on mileage? We say yes to that. <clears throat> and then the other big question we get is um, a lot of times they are asking about whether or not, in fact, Paul, I actually might put this to you. The GPS track it sponsors that you use, because a lot of them have more than one vehicle, their phone can't do the job at some point. So the GPS track it, is that a system that goes in the different vehicles that will track mileage or is that more about tracking employers and I mean, employees time and location? I don't want to say for sure. Cause I don't, I haven't used it across multiple um, drive, you know, multiple vehicles, but I'm pretty sure you would have that information. Uh, but you'd, you'd have to double check with with GPS track it if you're using it across multiple. But basically, Megan, they give you a device that you put into the OBD port and it tracks everything. So they okay. would yeah. they would have it tracked in that information. I just don't know how streamlined that is for multiple vehicles. But my guess, and I guess it's just a guess that that it would track your mileage for all the multiple vehicles. But I don't know for sure. So I'll have to ask them next time I chat with them. But I personally just use an app called Mile IQ. Mile IQ. Yeah. That's a very popular one. We yeah. like those reports. It's often tied to just one phone. So that is a little bit of the problem some right. customers can run into. Uh, we also get the question, is beginning and ending mileage good enough? Um, not not really. <laughs> Sheila can go into more of that. But honestly, the, the quick answer is no. It really does need to be where you went, the date, how many miles. Uh, they even make it so specific, I believe, as to the ending and beginning mileage of that one trip. Although, you know, I'm sure if you have business reasons and how many miles it was and the date, you probably are good enough. Yeah, I mean, you need to keep reasonable records. But, you know, I I'm, I would say probably 80% of, of my clients are using Mile IQ. Um, it's popular. It's cost effective. Um, but once you get at, once you are um, bigger than just you driving around yourself, and then you might have to look at some different systems. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it does all the work, and the reports are beautiful. I mean, it's it's it's, it's very easy That's to work for you. Yeah, um, you know, you have to keep up with it. There's a little bit of of maintenance with it, but. Um, I know for my business, I went from having to keep up with it to nothing during COVID. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, everything went totally remote. But obviously, in the landscaping industry, they've got quite a bit to keep up with there. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, that's some, it's always good to have uh, a record of your mileage. Um, obviously, if you're keeping good books, then you're going to have your actual expenses too. But then you've got options. I'm a big fan of options because it, you want to be able to decide what's the better deduction, mileage or actual expense. And I mean, there are some parameters, you know, where you have to use one or the other, but, you know, just that's more detailed than we need to be right now. Just understand that if you've got 
the records, then you have options. If you don't have the records, then you've cut yourself out of a potentially bigger deduction than you would get just using actual expenses. It really depends a lot on how much you drive too. Yeah, very well said. So track your mileage, track your vehicle expenses, and then you guys can read through that information and make the decision of what's going to be a better tax saving. But at the end of the day, you have to have that information uh, tracked uh, accurately throughout the season. Right. And Megan, I'm sure got tired of hearing, you know, me and my, my college football analogies, but it's a game time decision <laughs> as to whether you're going to use mileage or, or actual expenses. But I, I probably mm. said that, you know, 50 times in one week when we were meeting with clients, but you have that ability if you've got the records to be able to, to give yourself the option with them. Great. Well, what are some more uh, key takeaways that you guys have now that you've, you know, done these um, interviews with, with these various landscaping business owners? What what else are you noticing that that's helpful to, to pay attention to? Yeah, I'm going to stay along the lines of record keeping. One of the other ones I've really been working with my clients, and they've always had this task on a monthly basis, but really hammering at home with Sheila included in the conversation, I think did a lot for them understanding the task and why, and that would be keeping record of your assets and specific records. Once again, not just, you know, you come to the CPA end of year, you're asking them, do I need to buy equipment so I can get a better tax write off? And they're like, well, what have you bought? You, you need to have all of that. And it's not just useful for tax year end. It can be useful for insurance. It's definitely useful depending on the state you're in and the business personal use tax. Um, Sheila can obviously correct me on any of those terms. But with that being said, we're keeping very accurate records of your assets when you purchase them, when you dispose of them, which is just mm-hmm. as important. And then obviously that goes much farther than taxes. On my end, it's a good you know record for management. Um, maybe you bought three mowers, as Sheila has often mentioned, and two of them were, you know, sour apples. One of them was really good, and you want to know which one. Saying mower and the purchase price isn't going to give you enough information to know, well, where can I go back and get that mower <laughs> for a second round? And so just obviously, we want to keep good records of our assets, um, not only for management purposes, but then for year end when you when Sheila and or your tax repair is needing to make and help you make those game decisions. Right. I, I mean, the, the asset listing, um, you know, and I will piggyback on what you said about it being a multi multi-use tool, that asset listing, it's um, the decision again, um, those game time decisions <laughs> of do we depreciate or do we expense? Do we use a 179 deduction? Um, those are all available options if I know that the equipment exists. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's something to easily overlook. But um, I also, I like the fact that you can use it for management decisions. And that's um, even, you know, that spills over into, you know, the tax planning type of work and not just, and, and making good business um, purchases later on, um, and making sure that you're getting your bang for your buck. Um, but I also, um, it's, especially if you're changing or if you're, if you're going from doing your own taxes, um, and books to having a professional looking at them and it's, 
it's it's continuity, um, you know, because I mean, I, you know, I mean, I could walk out of my house and get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I want somebody to be able to pick up with without work the, the same way. So if you've got all of the assets listed and you have them um, and you've got good records of them, whether you're using those for depreciation or you've expensed them or, or whatever, then um, you're able to to um, follow that year over year and also to to use um, to use it if you need to file for your business personal property tax. But I do also want to reiterate, if you take that and I know because it's not always that you dispose of that piece of property. You're not always getting rid of that mower. I hear a lot that it becomes your your parts. <laughs> you know, it becomes yeah, the, it's the, you know, the, hair maintenance. something that you're just using for parts. Right. You've taken it out of service. The minute you take it out of service, especially if you were depreciating it, you need to take it out of service on your tax return as well so that you don't continue to appreciate a piece of property that you either don't use or you don't own because that's taking a deduction that you're not eligible for. And that's a really silly mistake to make that could cost you a lot of anguish later. Yeah. And it's much easier to remember those assets, the purchase dates, the purchase prices on a monthly basis. And so mm-hmm. that's just one of those easy record keepings we do on a monthly basis with our clients, getting in those meetings, verifying no assets have been purchased or disposed of. Quick question. And then obviously, if there is that case, then we'll get the documentation and log it for our clients. And bottom line, it makes it a lot easier for Megan and I to answer that end of the year, can I buy this or should I buy this? Most definitely. Um, you know. And oftentimes, Paul, the reason we really wanted to hit hard on this topic was oftentimes it's, you know, a side of the road cash purchase that our small businesses are dealing with when it comes to m- new mowers or, you know, new aerators or whatever the case may be. Oftentimes it's a Craigslist transaction. And so I don't have any way of knowing those transactions if it's not coming through the bank because the way QuickBooks works is, you know, you deal in cash. I don't know. And so having that question there every single month, just keeping clients accountable to that, if they truly do want to use it for all the purposes it can be used for, they need to let me know about those purchases. And so it's a important record keeping conversation for each of our clients. Totally. Was there any, Anything else, uh, observations you guys have from uh, these meetings? Hmm, I don't know how much Sheila would like to hit on this one, but since it is November, oftentimes November is when I bring up the 1099 conversation and just mentioning to my clients, hey, you've got deadlines come beginning of the year for 1099s that need to be issued by your company. And so it's a great time to remind them to, if they haven't already, to collect W-9s from those vendors and to begin organizing. I mean, throughout the year, we're organizing that for them, but just to verify amounts, to verify people, to verify W-9s are available so that that 1099 processing come the begin- very beginning of the year is efficient and smooth as well. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure that you have all the information. If you start gathering it now, you're not scrambling around last minute because um, you do need to to complete those. and. Um, and submit them in January. So Sheila, can you explain to someone listening, maybe they're their first year, their lawn care business, and they're here in W9, 1099, and, and they're scratching their head, the guys are in their first year. Can you explain it so like a, a first grader could understand what a, 
a W nine, a ten ninety nine. What these what these uh, strange numbers so, are? Yeah, I I will I will try I will try my level best here. Um, it's, so, yes, we throw around uh, lots of alphabet soup. Um, but yeah, so so the W nine is just and it's such a simple form. Um, that it sounds like all important, but really you're gonna download this you can you can get them the readily available on on the internet but you can go to irs.gov and and download a, a w9 and you would present that to anyone who is providing um subcontract services for you um so you would want to give them this form it's it's just their name their address and their social security number or their tin or ein so um their employer id number uh, their taxpayer ID number or their social security number is going to go on there. And that is going to, um, you know, allow you to, or, you know, whether it's your payroll provider or your bookkeeper, or your tax preparer, whoever would prepare these for you, um, you would uh, put any amounts that are over $600 or $600 and over. So up to 599 you do not, you're not required to present them with this information, but over at $600 and over, you would need to provide a 1099 indicating that you had made payments to them in that amount. So the, you, in order to do the 1099 NEC, which is non-employee compensation, then you will need the information off of the W-9. You can do it without it, but I, I think it's a best practices, especially if you use um, if, if you pretty consistently use day, day labor, um, or if you have some, some seasonal folks that you only pick up whenever you are, um, in, in the weeds, so to speak, <laughs> so that you, you, they're not employees. They're not somebody that you're counting on and that you're scheduling their time. They're just somebody you call and you say, Hey man, I've got this, you know, this job down the street and I need, four holes dug. Can you come and do that for me? Because you're not really directing their activity at that point. You're just saying, Hey, I need, I need some help. Um, because you, you need to be careful between the difference between non-employee compensation and employee compensation for lots of different reasons, but just, you know, make sure that you understand if you're subcontracting some, some workout or you're getting some day labor, um, seasonal, assistance, um, you know, just that's the kind of work that you want to make sure that you always give somebody a W-9. Even if you don't, you know, you're like, oh, they're only going to work for me for a day, but they might work for you a day six times out of the year. And then at the end of the year, you're like, oh man, I don't have that information. So I I think it's good to just have it to begin with. That way they also understand it sets up a a good uh, basis for the conversation of, I'm just going to use you for this one, this one job. Um, and I'm not, I'm not responsible for withholding taxes on you because this is just a, a one-off kind of situation. Yeah. And it really helps set up the relationship between you and that person too. And it's, and it's all in the paper. You don't really even have to have the conversation. It's all in the paper of, Hey, look, this, I need this information for you to work for me today, which in turn would mean you're not an employee and I'm not responsible for the taxes on your income. And so just it's a good way to set up the expectations from that person and for you in your business too. Which just to mention, December also is a time where we get lots of questions about bonuses and 
tips information because they're getting tips throughout the year. Maybe they haven't distributed them. So they want to, you know, throw a party for their clients or for their employees. Um, I'll let Sheila hit on that. I don't research much of that. I know enough to make me dangerous, but Sheila could definitely probably touch on that since it is December. Well, I will tell you this. If you have a a W-2 employee, if you've got somebody that's on your payroll, do not give them just a bonus check out of your (laughs) business checking account. It needs to get through your payroll provider. You need to to log that through your payroll, not through just an, because you can't 1099 them and give them a W-2. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it should work. And um, just avoid that issue. So if you're going to, if you're going to provide bonuses, then provide it in the same manner that you would um, utilize to pay them if they're employee. That's good. Bonuses are highly taxed. Yeah, it's really (laughs) unfortunate, but a thousand dollars can turn into seven. Yeah. A thousand dollars will turn into about 700 real (laughs) quick, real fast. (laughs) Yeah. Not a laughing matter, but at the same time, it is what it is. So you don't want to just cut them that check because like Sheila said, 1099s and W2s are for the same person, our flags. Hey guys, Paul here, and I want to tell you about an exciting event happening here in Atlanta called Synced Live. The dates for the event are February 6th through 7th, 2023. That's a Monday and a Tuesday. It's going to start on Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. and then be all day Tuesday. I'm going to be there. Really looking forward to this expo. It's going to have 70 plus innovative products and services. There's going to be a drink reception on that Monday night, February 6th. And then on Tuesday, February 7th, guys, at Synced Live, there's going to be demonstrations educational sessions, and plenty of industry inspiration. Now, you can get your all-access pass to Expo and all the education sessions for only $99. This is the only event shaping the future by connecting all aspects of the landscape industry into one event. And it's in my city, Atlanta, Georgia, right across the street from our baseball stadium where the Braves play. So we want the next generation of landscape owners and decision makers to be there. I'm going to be there. Hopefully, you will be as well. To register, all you got to do is click on the link in today's show notes. We hope to see you in Atlanta this February. Ever wish you could monitor your vehicles, drivers, and equipment in live time to improve routes, enhance job site planning, and save your business money? Well, with GPS Track It, your wish is our command. When you integrate GPS Track It with your company vehicles, you get a 24-7 view of your vehicles, so you operate at crazy levels of efficiency. It's money-saving, peace of mind lawn and landscaping companies deserve. Ever wish every day was Donut Friday? Us too, but we can't help with that. Talk with one of our fleet advisors. No pressure, no hassle. Call 1-844-996-2518 or visit gpstrackit.com slash Paul to learn more. GPS Track It. You can count on Jobber to keep your business organized. Manage your business and back and forth with customers from one place. Estimate, quote, schedule, invoice, get paid, no software experience required. Friends, you can save 20% off your first six months at getjobber.com forward slash Paul or click on the link in today's show notes to try out the business management software that I've been using for years, Jobber. 
Designed for landscaping professionals, the Z700 Series zero-turn mowers from Kubota are the best in class in performance, productivity, comfort, and durability. You'll love the commercial-grade engines, durable spindle assembly, and a low profile with 14-inch wheels. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I have some questions for y'all, but before I I, uh, fire away, um, do you have any other uh, key takeaways from these conversations? Um, Oh, go ahead, Sheila. I have one final thought. Um, It's a good time of the year to make, you know, take a peek at that checkbook and make sure you've made all your estimated tax payments. Your last estimated tax payment is due on January 15th. So you have some time to make up if, you know, you have not been paying them, then now's a good time. And you can always go, go back, look at what your tax liability was for last year, multiply that by 110. Uh, you're going to have what you should have paid yep. in by January 15th of this year. Oftentimes, if, if your business is in a state of flux, if you're going up or down, um, as far as income goes, then of course that amount can change, but your your requirement is going to be that 110% of what last year's tax liability was. So that's a good place to start. Very good place to start. And getting that in by January 15th is super helpful for your cash flow. We know the industry is already, I don't know if suffering is the right word, but many of them are are short on cash flow for that beginning of the year. And so getting that payment in while a little bit of that cash from your heavy season, you know, your October month of cleanups and everything, getting that cash in as soon as you can is best because it would be due April 15th or 16th or 17th. Sheila can current 17th this year. <laughs> it would be due April 15th, which is also when your first technical estimated quarterly tax for 2023 is due. So not only are you, you know, needing to pay in for the 2022 year fully, whatever it was you didn't pay, and you're also on the hook for 2023's first payment of the estimated quarterly taxes. So getting that payment in by the January 15th will just help keep cash, I suppose, and it's as as best as you can um, mm-hmm. flowing and not too tight. Although obviously that makes Christmas maybe a little worse <laughs> than you thought it might, but it still is just something that needs to be thought about yes. and acted upon in the, the best way because the IRS is looking for that good faith payment. They are. Um, and, you know, while you're getting um, that asset listing together as well, um, it's a good time to check and make sure what to see whether your state imposes um, or your county, um, in most cases, imposes a business personal property tax and when that's going to be due. It varies by state and it's everything from some some are due in January, some are due in September, some are have it due twice a year. Um, but just check the regulations for for where you are and make sure that you're you're complying with that because it's it's really silly. I mean, I've seen. Some states or some counties, the bill for, you know, maybe $20,000 worth of equipment was as low as $13, but you have to pay a $100 late penalty fee if you don't. Right. So don't turn $13 into 113 And just to be honest with your listeners, that was a tax I wasn't even aware of here. Now, granted, in Florida, you know, it's going to be different from state to state. But most of them are are going to likely require at least some sort of filing, even if you don't end up needing to pay any taxes. And so um, thanks to Sheila, now I know. 
That's good. Can I summarize this for the guys that are in, in year one? Because uh, we have yeah. so many new listeners. I mean, some of these kids are 17, 18, 19 years old, and I wish Got someone it. would have explained this to me. So hypothetically, hypothetically, if you were in business back in 2021, what the IRS does or, or anybody can do is say, okay, here's what your tax bill was in 2021. You multiply that by 110%, and, and that would give you what your tax bill estimated wise would be in year 2022. Is that correct? Correct. It's that's your required. That's the required estimated tax would be 110% of what last year's tax liability is. Yes. Yeah, so all she's trying to distinguish is that's not all you're going to, that may not be all you have to pay, but that is what is going to be a good faith. Payment. To avoid the, the penalties and the, the penalty. interest Correct. from not Correct. paying your estimated yes. taxes. There you go. So you, you make your first payment back in April of, of 2022. Your next one is kind of weird. It's in June, if I remember correctly, June 15th. Mm-hmm. Then it was September 15th. So we have three of those under our belt. And then the last one is due January 15th. Well, after that, Megan, you've closed out the books. Let's just hypothetically say it's it's a Mm -hmm. customer that's uh, got you guys, the all-star team, Megan and Joey doing the books and Sheila, you doing the tax planning. So in January, 2022 is now closed. And we have the precision of knowing here's what the actual tax bill is. And then you say, you can see, oh, well, you've already paid the IRS X amount of dollars right. for, for easy math. Let's say you're paying 2,500 a quarter. So you've paid in 10 grand, but when you run all the numbers and, and you made more revenue, more profit this year and the tax bills, um, 13 grand, I'm using mm-hmm. fictitious numbers. Well, there's a $3,000 difference. So that, that 3000 that you owe would be due by April 15th then. If you are a Schedule C, if you file on a Schedule C with a 1040, then yes, that is correct. Good example. And Under, understand that there's um, there's different filing deadlines for different types of entities. An 1120, which is either which is a corporate return, so an S or a C corp, or a partnership, which is a 1065, are all going to be due in March 15th. But most of, for the the Bulk of the largest number of your of the listeners probably here today would either be filing as a S corp or as a, a ten uh, you know a self employed individual with a ten forty in the Schedule C. Um, those you know either whether you're an S corp, a partnership, um, those are pass through entities, so the, they don't pay taxes themselves. They pass that along to their either their shareholders or partners, and then that ends up on the 1040 that is due on April 15th of most years. This year, um, it, it falls on a weekend, and then there's a holiday behind that. So, and where the That's double whammy comes in is that that so your official 2022 final <laughs> tax bills due April 17th or whatnot. But then an additional bill is due for your quarter one estimated taxes now for the new year. So, right. So, I mean, you know, Paul, like Megan and I talked about this and, you know, because you work with us. Like, I mean, as soon as she's done closing out books for 2022, then I would, I, you know, my goal to meet with clients in January so that we know at least, you know, we, we have a good estimate so that you've got a little bit of time to build that bank back up. And and make sure that you've um, 
you know, you've got the money to not only make that that final payment for the year, but also that you know kind of where you are for what that first estimated tax payment is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think in general, if you can get all of your information, now, you know, mind you, there are other pieces of, of documentation that you might be waiting on, whether it's for your, your 1095, which is going to give you information about your, your health insurance. Um, you've got brokerage statements. You've got, um, you know, if you've got children, you might be waiting on dependent care expenses. If you, you know, 1099s, your mortgage interest statements, there's other documentation that you might need to complete your taxes on a personal level. But um, in general, try to try to really assess where the business is by by the end of January. And that way, whenever you start plugging in all the other numbers, um, you know, you can you can you don't have to wait until April 15th. Mm-hmm. Please don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please don't wait until April 10th. Um, you know, just try. There's just one of the reasons that, you know, I was like, hey, Paul, let's tell everybody about what you need to get together. So you can go ahead and start doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> you can do all of this, you know, all this, all the um, the bookkeeping, the record keeping that you're, you know, you can make sure that all of that is, is squared away by the end of this year. So you can say, well, you know, by the end of January, I can close my books and I can, I can really understand where I am and, and move forward and have all of this information as it comes in. I'm just completing the stack and getting it to my, my um, preparer as quickly as possible. I like to get them all done, but I, I put all of my small businesses, I like them all to be done by March 15th, whether you're filing at, on a Schedule C or whether you're filing, um, just because it does give you that month to breathe and go, yeah. okay, I can do this. I can, I can get that estimated tax payment in. And, you know, once you get once you get better at keeping these records and once you get a better system and once your business like levels out, you're able to monitor these things. And I mean, you know, I'm I look back and I was like, I don't want to brag, but you know, I ended up owing $20 at the end of last year. Once you get a system going, my estimated tax payments were so spot on that I was like, whoa, <laughs> geez, it's, you know, it's nice to just have to pay that 20 bucks. Because I got to turn around and make the other payment in the month. So that's great. Well, it's been yeah. a pleasure working with y'all. Um, I would like to touch based on investing, uh, Sheila. I know you know off air. You and I've talked about a Roth mm-hmm. IRA versus a traditional IRA, and and the timetables of when you got to get that that investment in, and and all of that. But um, what's really encouraging to me, uh, Megan, and you're probably realizing this as you guys are are working with more and more of my listeners. Some of these guys are young Mm. and I'm like, man, I wish I would have listened when I was younger about my business high school teacher came in. He was talking about a Roth IRA and investing a hundred dollars a month. Then you're going to be a millionaire by this age and showed us all the graphs to explain compound interest. And, you know, I was more concerned about who knows what, you know, my, my little teenage (laughs) basketball team. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but now that I, you know, I'm 20 years past that conversation that went in this year and went right out that year. And and I realized that if I would have just listened and scraped together a hundred dollars a month, instead of spending it on Taco Bell and Wendy's and, and, and other stupid things, video games, I would already be sitting at, you know, a million dollars in that 
um, Roth IRA account with the comp- compound interest or, or, or close, you know, don't, yeah. don't email yeah. me, but the, <laughs> the, the, the math nerds out there. So I'm going to shut up and let you guys just talk a little bit about what an opportunity there is. If we are in these lawn care businesses, mm-hmm. making money that we're, we're setting some aside for retirement. Yeah. Many, many people talk about investments, which, you know, obviously me and Joey, we, we love money. We like talking about money. We, we find that money gives people choices. And that to us is, I mean, what could, what could you want more as an autonomous individual? And so, and, and a lot of people, you know, are, do start talking about that in the monthly meetings. And we just, one of the things we want them to focus on too, is your business is a great investment. Like that is a worthwhile investment, but outside of that, man, those, those Roth IRAs that you're talking about, my, this is not true anymore. So no one can act me, but my old business bank password was compound. I, I had seen that graph at a very early age and knew the sooner I start it, you know, just, I was a math major. It just made sense that the longer you give something time to compound and actually compound, not just time to grow, but actually compound, you are way better off having started that the earliest you can. I mean, just a couple of years can make the difference, but those that are, you know, asking these questions at in their teen years or even at 22, man, you guys do that $50, $100 a month or you know, obviously Sheila probably knows some of those requirements for a Roth IRA, the better off you are. Um, and not even the better off you are like mag, magnanimously. Is that a word? I think that's a word. Anyway, hugely, hugely better off. Math majors. In the future. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, obviously Sheila can touch on that because she does do things outside taxes. She's a financial planner. She's looking at some of those larger investment abilities, but your business is a huge investment. And then if you're young, I mean, start whenever, but if you are young, truly listen to that advice to start early and let compound work for you, time and compound work for you. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, And, you know, I, you don't have to have a hundred dollars. You don't even have to have 50, even if it's 25. I mean, just start somewhere. Right. Um, You'll, if you, if you, make it a habit. I found that people don't even, once it's there and it's your habit and you have set up a, you know, an automatic deposit into to some account, then you, you just stop relying on that money. You stop even considering it as part of yours anymore. Right. Um, but I also, you know, as a financial planner, I'm not an attorney. I am not a CPA. I'm not giving you financial advice, but I do really love a Roth. And the only real requirement is that you have earned income to start a Roth. Um, so no matter what stage you are, whether it's you um, wanting to start investing or whether it's um, starting that a, a good habit for your kids, um, give them a Roth, open a Roth IRA the first time they get a, you know, get their first job. <laughs> but, um, but don't, don't neglect the fact that there are just through traditional IRAs or 401ks um, that will give you tax deductions as well. Um, understand that whenever it comes to investing in these, um, you actually, it's a very, it's, it's odd, but you have a little bit of extra time. You don't have to get it done by December 31st. You have a little bit of extra time up until you file your taxes to make contributions 
or um, and count them towards the the previous year. So there's um, a lot of value in it besides just your your future income stream. Sometimes it's a it's it's a good deal for you now. Right. Yeah, for sure. And and I also think it's a great tool for um, once you become an employer. I think it's a great tool to entice um, your better employees to stay with you is to start opening up the 401ks. But there's so many different opportunities and so many different account types. And I just, you know, we can throw around all of this information, but until you really sit down um, and, and understand what's best for you, um, just, you know, take it, take, take the overall theme of invest now for your future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and retirement accounts are a great way because not only do you get that compounding, but, um, you're getting the, the, um, elimination of paying taxes on it as it's, yeah. um, as that, it's growing. That's what me and Sheila hope to marry with the different skill sets, because obviously as we continue to do this analysis with our clients, one of the things they're going to have to really think through and problem solve is customer retention because, Turnover is a very big expense. If you, you know, I, I pers- Joey knows the percentages, but it's a it's a big expense if you really are trying to find ways to become efficient, become a true business with systems and people in place. And so, at some point, we're having that conversation of how can you keep employees? What's a great way to retain them? And and there's a, you know there's a million answers depending on your business, but something that could easily come into play is what we're talking to here, and that's just investments, both for your employees and for yourself. Great. Well, I really appreciate your guys' time. I know, uh, Megan, you got to run to a doctor's appointment and, and uh, I got to go to the gym and try to, I'm trying to get in shape. So your own doctor appointment. Yeah. <laughs> in <some way>. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila inspired me by, by saying no to those uh, Chick-fil-A the waffle fries. fries. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, most of the yeah, battles no, in the no kitchen or la- lack thereof. It's you can go to the gym all day long, but if you, if you eat Chick-fil-A waffle fries or, yep. you know, yep. Whatever. You're right. Yeah, it's the yep. two. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was uh, much better for me, both um, you know, from a, a health perspective, um, physically and mentally, to come home and uh, and jump on the on the Zoom with you guys. So uh, well, it was good talking to y'all. Yeah, you too. Let people know how and when and and when not they can connect with you. I know you, yes. you got. I don't know if you have open enrollment starting in <laughs> next year. You got the the supply and demand guys. There's so many people wanting Sheila and Megan that they can't handle it all. So just go ahead and fill us in of, of how and when people can get connected with your services. Yeah, I'll sure. you go first, Megan. Sure. So still connect the same way. If you would like to schedule a 15 minute with us, please do it right away. We're not going to uh, put 15 minutes off. However, your onboarding date will be in the new year. And so just keep that in mind. We are going to take some of the winter month to really establish these systems that we are also helping our clients build. We got to do it in our own business, practice what we preach. And so, um, yes, you can still get in touch with us. That 15 minute call will can be December, you know, December 10th, if you'd like it to be, uh, but your onboarding date will be the new year as we look to gain some traction just inside our business administratively. I think Sheila might be similar, but she can give you her. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends on the type of and level of service that you, that you're looking for. Um, but I, I do, I'm, I'm going to cap it out. I've got a few more slots available <laughs> for this year. Um, so, you know, if, 
if I can help you, then, you know, I certainly will. But um, I probably will start onboarding more tax clients, tax planning clients uh, in, in the new year um, and, and just start off for next year. Um, but I, but I still am available if you just, if you just need some help with your taxes, just tax prep. Um, but I am trying to make sure that I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy getting really, really deep and into, um, conversations with my clients, um, because I think it helps you and me, um, whenever it comes to tax compliance and, um, and getting your, your information correct. Um, but I have to be efficient about it. So I can't take on too many people because I want to give everybody that level of service. So, but yeah, I'm open to, I'm open to consultations, you know, but the, the, um, it's always good to have a conversation with somebody that maybe needs me in the future. Not now. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for your time. And uh, thank you for everyone. If you listen to all the way through to now, you're a, you're a true math nerd. We probably lost to half our you, listeners. You can tell the stuff we enjoy is more analysis, not just you know, the, the other math nerds that are still out there. Yeah, yeah. anyone listening, give yourself a, a round of applause. You, you're an official nerd, just like us. So. Oh, man. Yeah, so true. Well, thanks again, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, always Paul. good. Happy holidays. Yep, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. <laughs> The Know Your Numbers training program is the shortcut to financial freedom that I wish I had. You see, success requires more than us just working in our business. We must learn how to work on our business. And in the Know Your Numbers training program, you'll learn how to stop burning cash so you can learn to make all your services truly profitable. You can bid with total confidence that each job you sell be more profit in your pocket as you build long-term wealth. Because we're going to teach you how to start paying yourself as the owner of the business the right way. You can grow a healthy business as we identify and track your cash flow for continuing success so you can stop losing sleep over financial details as you gain the skills to delegate the tough number crunching activities as a lawn care business owner. And never chase those unpaid invoices again. We'll teach you how to streamline your billing into a hands-free process. So we will cover all of this and so much more as John Pajak and I are the teachers in this e-training program. It's called Know Your Numbers. It's available at our resource center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.